Welcome to Better by Great Place to Work, the podcast that helps companies become a great place to work for all because it's better for people, better for business, and better for the world. I'm Christopher Tkachuk, the Chief Content Officer at Great Place to Work. Each week, we meet with great leaders who have helped their companies become better workplaces by focusing on their best asset, their people, who in turn help their organizations become more successful. Support for Better comes from Genentech, a global leader in biotech and medicine and continues to be a longtime winner on Fortune's annual list of the 100 best companies to work for. Welcome to Better by Great Place to Work. We're coming to you today from the Great Place to Work for All Summit 2019 in San Francisco. And I'm joined by Derek Bang, who is the Chief Strategy and Innovation Officer for Crow. His responsibilities include fostering an innovation-driven culture throughout the firm and overseeing the firm's development and marketing of new solutions. He also leads the company's healthcare performance consulting group and works with clients in the areas of revenue management, operational management, and risk management. Welcome, Derek. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So every time that we begin to look at a company and tell that story, I like to look at the numbers. You know, when we look at the results from the Great Place to Work Culture uh, Trust Index Survey, we've found out that 92% of Crow employees say overall that it's a great place to work. They've also said that 97% of management is honest and ethical in its business practices. 95% say that management is competent in running the business. And 95% also say that people are given a lot of responsibility in the organization. All of those great numbers have helped propel it to number 68 on the 2019 list of Fortune's 100 Best Companies to Work For. Congratulations. Thank you. The company has done so well in other areas, uh, as well as being named to the Best Workplaces in Chicago list last year, as well as Best in the Consulting and Professional Services Industries and best workplaces for parents, which I'm assuming you're a parent. I am, three yeah. sons, yeah. I want to dive into that shortly, but but first I just wanted to sort of understand your title. What is it exactly that you do? And if, like I said earlier, if you were at a cocktail party and someone said, you work in a very kind of, you know, traditionally rigid kind of industry, professional services, accounting, et cetera, you don't typically think of innovation when you think of a company like Crow. And what would you, how do you respond to that question? Well, that's my least favorite question I ever get asked. <laughs> it's the worst title. It's the longest. No one knows what it is. Yeah. In fact, I remember I, I originally was chief innovation officer before I, we added strategy to it. Mm-hmm. So, and for each of those, I had to write my own job title because they were new positions and there weren't many companies that had those positions. So it's, it's kind of a bizarre thing to explain to somebody. I mean, people know what a CEO is. People know what a CFO is or they don't know what a strategy innovation officer really is. So... I try to explain to people my job is twofold. One is to help develop new products for the firm, new revenue sources to keep us relevant in the future. And then strategy is really trying to see the future, look further out to see what's coming down the road and make sure we're prepared. As far as the accounting and consulting profession where we've primarily been known for and successful, yes, it absolutely has not been known for its own innovation, particularly in the traditional accounting services arena. In fact, I think if you look at the way accounting has largely been done, it's, it's largely been the same way, except we added like spreadsheets to it. <laughs> That's about it. Uh, so, you know, we've really started to focus on, you know, every other industry is being disrupted and you could rattle them all off and I won't, won't, won't bore you with that. Right. We've all heard the story. Yes, yeah. exactly. But at the same time, we know professional services will not be exempt. We know that's that's coming at some point. We're already seeing it as well, and it, 
probably won't even be our competitor firms. It'll probably be you know someone just down the street here in the Bay Area, or who knows that that has a radical idea to transform the profession. So, you know, if we know it's going to happen, then we should probably either get ready for it or or start planning our exit. So we're not ready to plan our exit. So what what do you, what would you th- sort of guess or? or- estimate would be the big thing to disrupt the industry. I'm, I would think it'd be artificial intelligence, right? I would agree with you. Yeah, that's our, our number one area of investment over the past five years and certainly our biggest focus. Okay. And so what are you already seeing in the ways that AI is affecting the industry? It's, it's not having a dramatic uh, effect just yet. Just yet. Okay. Yeah. And... We'll, we'll cut that question from the edit. but <laughs> Well, actually, I think it's a good question okay. because it's interesting. So I'm helping to plan a conference that is about AI and the accounting and legal profession. And uh, so I've reached out to a lot of peers, and I can't get any stories. you know. But everyone wants to go because they all are afraid of it, and they all know it's coming. Mm-hmm. Yet they're struggling to sort of get things going. So if you look at, I, I would say, maybe the the simpler areas of the profession, which is already where disruption starts, and companies like Intuit that do TurboTax, they are very mm-hmm. hard pushing AI, and they have been for some time, where we play as more of the complex uh, things. You know, the much more, the, the not, the things that you wouldn't use TurboTax for when you get an accounting or doing an audit or things like that. Plus, many of the things that we do are regulated. And so you're sort of limited to the product is defined. So where within that definition of how you do an audit, how the regulators say you have to do an audit, you know, where can you add innovation? Where can you use AI to do things differently? And it's a careful balance. Speaking about what the theme of our conference is, innovation by all, you know, as being the head of innovation at your company, what are you doing to try to inspire all of your employees to feel like they actually have a voice? They have a, an opportunity to participate in any way that you're trying to innovate the way you do business. Mm-hmm. We always ask the hardest questions here, so that's tough. <laughs> that's and what I, they pay me the big bucks yeah, for. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Wow. You know, yeah, we've been struggling with that. Yeah, I've been in this role, I guess, about six years now, and we've had an innovation program for 20 years, but we didn't have a, an officer-level role. And so I knew that culture was, was going to be one of my, what I call, four big rocks that we, I started to focus on when I took over that position. And we started to try just to measure people's views. So we, we used to do an annual people survey. We now do it more frequently. But we added questions in there. And it wasn't like, do you, do you like innovation? It was, do you, are you comfortable failing? Or do you feel empowered to challenge the status quo? Or things like that to sort of indirectly get. And so we started gauging opinions and looking for problem areas and looking for where people didn't necessarily feel empowered. At the same time, we knew we needed the infrastructure to support people. We've always had a funding mechanism that if somebody says they have an idea, well, we have resources set aside for that, but we didn't necessarily have the infrastructure to support people going through the process of trying to, say, develop a new product or change a big process or something like that. So I've really found it's, it's not one thing. It's, it's empowering people to do it, and then when they're ready to be innovative, having the resources available to them and the infrastructure and the process and the guidance to sort of mentor them through innovation because you can't just wake up and one day and say I've got an idea and then it happens and so I just I'm trying to think of if there's a uh, if you can think of there's a uh, one clear example of a recent situation where someone came to you and said I've got a really great idea 
How do you, I mean, if you think it's, if you agree with them, you say, hey, well, we should be doing this. Mm-hmm. How are you giving them the resources or, or green lighting that opportunity to become a reality? Mm-hmm. Well, that happens every day, quite frequently. And it's, it's wonderful and it's problematic. And the wonderful part is we're seeing a lot of people getting excited about it. The, the, the problematic area is you don't ever have enough resources to really hold everyone's hand to walk them through it. And so we, we started, first we developed a roadmap for innovation so that when someone has an idea, they can see that map and they can understand, okay, here's the first thing I need to do. So we go through sort of what we call exploration. And then if you pass that step, then you go to evaluation. And then if you go past that, then we might actually get into development of actually building it. And then you get into launch. For each one of those areas, we have a toolkit. And we've had that in place for some time. So somebody can see the toolkit and say, okay, these are the 10 questions I need to be able to answer satisfactorily to get to that next level. That worked for, well, it, we still use it, but even that we found wasn't enough. So we needed people to not just give them a question, but really immerse them. And so we ended up creating our own accelerator program that we're now trying to push all of our really great ideas through. And if you qualify and you get into this fast track program, we basically largely pull the people offline from what they're doing every day and we we bring the resources to them in an intensive lab and environment and make sure that they're not distracted, they're focused, really they just have to focus on what they know and we bring everyone else to them now. And we're seeing a lot greater success with that type of approach. Okay, and how are you incentivizing your colleagues to come up with these really great ideas? Well, um, you know, people generally want to be innovative. They, they, they get tired of the status quo, they, they want to help. And obviously, you know, we're a partnership and so a lot of people see that as, well, Maybe at some point I want to become a partner, I want to advance my career, and a great way to do it is to grow the business or to create something differential. And so it's sort of a natural thing, I think, for a lot of people. They want to grow. They want to maybe eventually become an owner in the business or some type of a senior leader. And so we've not found that, you know, if you bring us a great idea, you know, a firm I worked for previously said, if you bring us a great idea that generates whatever, we'll give you a check for $100,000. Sounded interesting, exciting. I don't think they ever cut a check. <laughs> Never really happened. And so we don't, we give out rewards and they're not major. We do recognition. We have an award ceremony once a year for innovation with some you know, fun different awards, courageous leadership, growth, failure, all those types of things. But we generally find people are doing it because they see it as important to their career path. And we've really put innovation if you look at our annual performance review process, we I made sure to work with our, our talent services group to make sure that that's sort of a criteria in evaluation throughout our entire performance management process and even becoming a partner in the firm, that's one of the key questions is, you know, how have you contributed to innovation? So people don't see it as an expectation uh, when they join the firm or when they're being evaluated, they may just think it's lip service. This podcast is brought to you by Genentech, a biotechnology company dedicated to the rigorous pursuit of science and the discovery and development of breakthrough medicines for people with serious diseases. Recognized as one of Fortune's 100 best companies to work for for more than two decades, Genentech cultivates an environment where scientific innovation thrives and where each person feels valued, included, and able to contribute their best for patients. Learn more at gene.com.
how are you recognizing a job well done from, for your best performers? What type of recognition programs do you have beyond what you were just talking about? Is there an example you can think of for that, around that? Sure. I mean, we, 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 you know, we have our own, internal, our own internal communications team you know, that does a lot of firm-wide broadcasts. So we try to celebrate those through internal communications as well. We'll highlight things at various different events and meetings. So sometimes we'll have them come and do a showcase or speak to talk about what they've done, and we can recognize them there. And as I mentioned, too, we have a, a big innovation summit once a year. And if you're at all involved in the innovation uh, program in any meaningful kind of way, you're invited to this sort of exclusive program. And it's for a couple days, and there's a lot of learning and education, but then the, you know, there's gifts and there's a, you know, a, a banquet and award ceremony and things like that. And, um, and then obviously we, we use the awards to sort of reinforce you know, what they've accomplished over time. So I think we can do a, a better job. I think everyone can do a better job with recognition as well. So we'll continue to tweak it. I want to talk a bit about diversity and inclusion. I don't know what your ethnic and race breakdown is at the company, but mm. is there a conversation happening with uh, top leadership about really trying to increase uh, different headcount of uh, different groups of people? I mean, what, what's the experience at Crow right now? Oh, it's been our our current CEO's one of his major priorities from day one of taking over in 2015. So, you know, it's interesting. It's It's been such an important topic for Jim at the time that, you know, every company has a lot of meetings, right? And so, you know, and obviously that can get out of control and we try and manage how many meetings are we having and, you know, we're going from meeting to meeting. I know it, at one point, uh, you know, Jim told the management committee and said, you know, hey, look, we have a lot of meetings and I understand that, but... I'm not going to approve them anymore unless every single meeting has diversity and inclusion on the agenda. Mm. It has to be on there somewhere. Mm. So if, if you don't put it on there, then you know don't submit your expenses because I'm not going to cover it. Wow. And, and so it's an interesting way to mandate that. And it was good. You know, I, I think every meeting I held after that, I really had to put some thought into how do I want to address it this And month. how did you? Well, I, I had to reach out to some folks and empower them and, and ask them to also help me and contribute. So clearly there were initiatives going on at the firm that I thought were worth talking about and bringing up in meetings, or I might bring somebody to present on different things. I mean, one, one great presentation we had was about you know, the, the importance of trying different foods and trying different ethnic foods. And you can make learning about other cultures fun by just, you know, when you go out to lunch with people every day, go to go try a different food and learn about that culture and just talk about it, you know. And it was, yeah, it may not sound that exciting, but it was like a really simple way. Everyone's going to go eat lunch. And mm -hmm. a lot of times people go out to eat lunch. And so it sparked the conversation around just different cultures. Maybe somebody's been there. Maybe somebody had a family member from there. Maybe they know something. You know, it just sort of sparked conversation. So you, you kind of have to start to institutionalize it, which, you know, you'd hate to think you'd have to do that. But that's sort of the reality of um, our world today. So I'm wondering how that conversation around diversity inclusion uh, is directly related or at least um, connected to your goals for innovation within the company. Sure. It's part of the innovation yeah. by all question I asked right. earlier. But. Diversity in innovation is not, well, gender and ethnic diversity is critical, but the goal from a diversity perspective, particularly for innovation, is really the diversity of thought. And so, 
you know, I, when I left a big four firm and joined Crow, I felt like when I was working at this other firm, it was just, we were all just a bunch of accountants, consultants, very much the same. And joining Crow and it being a smaller entity, I had an idea for a software product that I thought was necessary that was missing in the market. No one offered it. And how would I, in fact, I had the idea at the prior firm, but there, when I talked about it, there was no one that understood like, well, how you would do that, you know, and what it would be like. So I come to Crow and I start talking about it and somebody's like, well, did you talk to the software developers over here? And, and you know, all of a sudden dots started getting connected. Next thing you know, I'm in a room with, you know, a software engineer, somebody used to be in software sales from Oracle, uh, a project manager. It's, you know, I mean, there's just very different people with different experience. They didn't know anything about hospital revenue and reimbursement or any of that kind of stuff, but they, they knew how you'd architect a software product. They knew how you'd sell it. They knew how you'd manage the software development lifecycle. All things I had, just no experience, no one to talk to about that before. Didn't even know that's what you did. I, I was just very ignorant in regards to that. And um, so it just happened that, you know, it, it actually turned out to be an ethically diverse group that came together to figure this out. It really opened my eyes to thinking that's why this never got off the ground where I was at before, because we were all the same thinking, all the same mindset. And Crow really made it easy uh, the way we're structured to, to allow everyone to work across groups. So you can easily be working with a software engineer and a project manager and an accountant and a consultant, and there's very few barriers for people to work together. So. We're getting a lot of diversity of thought, I think, as it comes to people's backgrounds and their specializations and things like that. But clearly, you're never going to get the depth in the talent pool that you're going to want if, if you're not embracing diversity and inclusion from a, you know ethnicity and gender perspective as well. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to understand how, or like, if you could tell me more about the path that your career has taken you to this role you have today. Mm-hmm. How did you get to this place where you are responsible for innovation and strategy? <laughs> Not something I ever planned to do, that's for sure. So out of grad school, I wanted to focus on healthcare, And so I started auditing hospitals, basically, and then moved into doing consulting um, and specialized in a particular area. And as I wanted to grow and evolve my career, I felt that uh, it's too hard to scale people and train enough people to grow a business and I was frustrated with the culture of, of where I was at. And so that's when I decided to leave and join Crow. So joining Crow, I, we didn't have a healthcare practice at the time. I was sort of this, I don't even know why they hired me, frankly. I just approached them with an idea and said, you know, hey, I, I think you might be able, there might be a market opportunity for healthcare consulting or something with technology. And they said, okay. So I came in and started working on that, and that's when I was referring to earlier this uh, software product that I saw as an opportunity in the market. And I started working on that, and it took a couple years to develop it, didn't know what I was doing, started selling it, never sold software before, applied for a couple patents, you know, got through the patent process, got the firm, our first two patents, and really opened my eyes to how you can scale a business through technology versus people since there's only so many people, I was one of maybe a handful of people in the entire United States that really understood the revenue recognition process for hospitals. How do you find people and train them? And you just couldn't go out and do it. You have to build them from scratch. So we embedded what I knew in technology and that business grew so fast and so big that um, in 2013, that's when 
the firm decided, hey, this is working, let's take this to a different level and asked me to take on the firm-wide role for innovation. And then when our new CEO took over in 2015, he thought that role was maybe too narrow for me and added strategy to uh, the title as well. Oh, okay. When you're working with a lot of these clients, um, especially in the healthcare industry, which is notoriously an industry that does not have a great workplace, you do see a lot of hospitals and and large uh, medical companies that appear on the 100 best companies uh, to work for this, but they are outliers. You know, and so when you look at retention in some of these companies, turnover is very mm-hmm. high, uh, retention is very low. And so when you're working with these healthcare companies, what are you saying to them when it comes to the culture conversation? You know, are you advising them on that at all, or is it ever part, come up in, in the conversation with them? Or, you know, healthcare is a tough environment, and uh, you know we've talked about you know when's the re- next recession going to come, and and I've. And it's not a joke, but I've just stated, look, the healthcare industry in the U.S. has been in a recession for almost a decade, it feels like. So there hasn't been a recovery for it. I mean, the cost pressures on hospitals from insurance prices and all that kind of stuff has, has never really subsided. And it's a really tough environment. It's pretty intense. And so I'm sure that has something to do with culture and, and just the intensity of trying to constantly you know, deal with the rising technology costs. At the same time, your staff costs are going up, but insurance rates are not, and so you're you're sort of in this, in this vice, so to speak. And so it's it's tough to manage through that. Where we've really tried to help and focused on solutions has been through a lot of our technology products and through automation. And so if you can take a lot of the manual or unenjoyable complexities out of the day-to-day business of healthcare. And, you know, our mission has really been to simplify the business of healthcare because it's just so complex and it's so hard to navigate and so frustrating that it probably just scares people away to begin with. You know, we think that can have a really positive impact on the healthcare industry as a whole. What are other some of the bigger challenges that uh, these companies are facing beyond what you've already mentioned? Well, turning a profit's got to be the biggest one. And mm. think, yeah, I mean, they're, they're mostly not for profits when you look at hospitals, mm-hmm. but you know, you still have to have a margin to be able to reinvest in equipment and facilities and et cetera, and you know, physician practices and all those types of things. So, you know, access to capital can be a challenge for them as well. Uh, you know, if margins are low, who wants to lend the money and at what rate can they afford to pay to be able to expand, to keep up with uh, the technology and what the competitors are doing. Obviously, there's, there's regulations that are changing all the time. You know, if you look at politics, one of the top issues is health care and, and coverage for people and sort of navigating the web of, of every year. The rules are changing and they're trying to keep up with it. In fact, I remember within the past five years, there was a change to ICD. And uh, a lot of people just chose to retire can instead you, of learning. Can you explain what ICD is? Uh, International Classification of Diseases. So we went from ICD-9 to ICD-10. A lot of the people that were late in their career just said, you know what, I'm out. I'm just not even going to bother to learn it. So I'm just going to retire early or things like that. So there's just there's things always changing. What has been for you the biggest challenge uh, in your current role? Biggest challenge in my current role probably for me has been moving from being an innovator to trying to be an innovation sponsor or be a, you know be an enabler of innovation. So I I loved coming up with a product idea and figuring out how we're going to develop it and taking it to market and doing enhancements and releases and building up a big client base and all the things that came along with growing a business. And now I'm in a position where my job is more to 
identify the opportunities and then put people in positions to go out and do it, but I don't actually get to be the one doing it. So I very much, my success comes through others. That's kind of a scary place to be at times. And what thing are you most proud of in your work at Crow? That's a good question. What would I be most proud of at this point? Would certainly have to be the healthcare group that I've helped to develop over time because it's now one of the largest healthcare consulting and technology groups in the United States that started from just me. So that's been an awesome accomplishment. And then when I look at the past uh, few years as an officer, you know, I've really enjoyed working with our CEO and helping to influence and uh, strategically work on so many of the initiatives, I think, that have enabled us to get on the Fortune 100 top list. This is our second year, and I think a lot of the things that have helped us get there have been through some of the various initiatives that I've tried to help influence. I can't take credit for all of them, but I, I think things like our mobility policy and things like that, Innovation Fast Track was one of the things that was featured by Fortune uh, in our uh, write-up, and that was something I rolled out about two years ago. So if anything, it's just been very empowering to be able to have an idea, get the support of our CEO and our board, and to be able to go and make it happen. Now, what would you say to a potential job candidate or to a job candidate that you're considering that you really want to come work for you? What would you say to convince him or her to come join the business? Why come work for Crow? A lot of it comes down to, you know, we're not, we're not the right place for everybody. And we try to be upfront about that. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but it's got to be a good fit for both, both people. So if you're the type of person that likes to work in a team environment, if you like to work to be entrepreneurial, this is a great place for you. If, if you want the opportunity to move quickly and to, while we certainly have standards and processes and all that kind of stuff, we, we generally try to empower people that if you have an idea, if you're creative, uh, you can be successful. You can move around. You can move within different areas, where, you know, wherever you're adding value. And our core purpose as a firm is something that really hasn't changed for quite some time. We reviewed it several years ago when we updated our vision and our, our mission and our strategy, and, and it really has been the same. And our core purpose as a firm is building value with values. And that's central to it. So if you're somebody that wants to build value, and you're comfortable with our values, which are we care, we share, we invest, we grow, then this is going to be a great fit for you. And I know that you know where I worked previously, they had all those taglines. They didn't, they didn't adhere to them. It was, it was simply writing on a piece of paper, and it was not embedded in their culture at all. And I would tell you, it is a crow, very much so. And for some people, they just want to do their thing. They want to be a lone ranger. They want to as long as they do whatever they think is necessary, regardless of what the team's impact, if they're a good enough performer, no one will touch it. Well, we don't work well that way. We work through in a team environment. And how is the company a great place to work for working parents? Mm. Well, I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. I think right after I joined Crow, my third son was born. And you know, professional services can be pretty challenging for families, and so we've really had to try to adapt for that. So. We have a mobility policy to where you know people can kind of work for where they need to for that day, and so a lot of times you're you're working with clients, and so you have to try to schedule around that. Sometimes you have to work from home, you know. Sometimes you have to do things remotely. Sometimes you know there's a lot of different things to balance. So if there's anything that I think that we've really helped our people to do is to try to help them balance and give them flexibility in their schedules. Clearly, you have to have I think the compensation and the benefits and all that need to be competitive and fair and work for our people. 
and I think we've done that. I'm sure it can always be better, and we're, we're watching that closely. But culturally, I think it comes down to, you know, we used to have something called a flexible work arrangement. And so you, you had an agreement. We have partners that were on flexible work arrangements that allowed them. Now we rolled out a mobility policy. Everybody's flexible now. So, you know, it's just, and we, we, we had those forms. Where we said, well, why do we even need this anymore? You're just, this is what we do. You know, you, you, you're in the office when you need to be in the office. If you need to take off for the afternoon to take your, your child to the doctor, you just do that. And you, you said it's called what, what posse? We call it our mobility policy. Oh, mobility policy. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I didn't, I didn't yeah. hear that very clearly. Okay. Yeah, we used to have FWAs or flexible work arrangements, and it was like a contract of a certain amount of time you would be at home versus you would be you know, in the office and lots of guidelines, and we just got rid of that and said, you know, everyone's a professional. Mm-hmm. You know, we can, we can trust them to balance it all out and work as a team to make sure everyone's family needs have met. And I could tell you... You know, I've had people on my team with kids that have gotten cancer before and haven't been able to come in for six weeks because they're at the hospital day and night, and we just make it work, Mm. you know, things like that. One last question for you. What's the best advice you've ever received throughout your career? Best career advice. I've gotten a lot of good advice over the years. You know, when I think about something that has really stuck with me, I don't know it was advice, but it was probably feedback. And I remember before I was in a firm-wide leadership role, but I was leading a practice, and I had uh, one of my managers come and try to share something with me. And there was some kind of schedule or something like that. And so they were, I was reviewing it, and it was pretty flawed. There were a lot of issues with it. And so I was getting frustrated with them and trying to, probably didn't do a good job of, of helping them understand why this was wrong. And I could see the frustration on their face. And finally, they just looked at me and said, you know, Derek, you know, in your role, you just see things. And I think a lot of leaders are in sort of these more visionary type of roles where they see things that other people probably don't, at least at the level below them. And so you really have to slow down in your communication and walk things, walk people through these things that maybe you see that it's not so apparent to them. And that really stuck with me over the years that, you know, I may see the next opportunity for new product development or for how we need to structure things at the firm or whatever that is. But my audience probably has no clue what I'm talking about, or they, they really don't see that. They're just they're in their day-to-day job of servicing clients or solving whatever problems they are, and I really needed to, to step back and, and educate people and help come to their level of, of knowledge and understanding. And, and frankly, I still struggle with it today, but it's really stuck with me at times that I really have to step back and say, if you're going to be an effective leader, you have to communicate with people where they're at and not expect them to be where you're at and uh, that really struck me that day I went home and I was pretty rocked by just thinking about that and it's always stuck with me okay great well Derek thank you very much for being here and joining us on better for by great place to work my pleasure thanks so much you've been listening to better by great place to work the podcast that helps everyone create better workplaces because it's better for people better for business and better for the world Better is generously sponsored by Genentech, a global leader in biotech and medicine that ranks among the world's best employers. Tell us about your great workplace experiences by finding us on social media. We can be reached on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram at greatplacetowork underscore US. Also tell your friends about Better by Great Place to Work, which can be found wherever you download your favorite podcasts.